We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Welcome back, Packers fans. It is game day. Not something you normally get to hear from your Saturday crew on the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am Jason Perona of Game On Wisconsin. Pulse of the Pack, Quick Slants podcast and the Pack-A-Day podcast, along with Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV. I, keep, I think I keep forgetting to mention that, Paul. I apologize every week. Mark, East Coast, quick weather update. Cold. I mean, not not Green Bay cold, but cold. It's like 35 <laughs> degrees. Oof, that is chilly. That's cold for us. Yeah, it, I'm not you, used to this It anymore. could potentially snow if it gets a little cold. Well, no precipitation, but, uh, but it's cold. I mean, it's, I'm not... And you know what they say about like like your blood thins? It really does because I'm cold. I'm really cold. I was I was out before we came in tonight to to uh, do this, and I was it was cold. That's all I'm gonna say. It was cold. You could go sit in your driveway and pretend you're tailgating. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and Paul Brittle in the Dairyland State of Wisconsin, where the Packers will host the Carolina Panthers Saturday night tonight. How's the weather looking, Paul? Well, as we've discussed on here, weather is relative. Uh, it's 37 on Saturday, and so I was going to say it's actually feeling pretty good. Uh, but we got we got a big day. We got Badgers hoops at 11, Badgers football against Minnesota at three, and then the Packers in the evening. So big day, big time. So how cold will it be tomorrow night when the Packers play? Yeah, I think in the 20s. Not terrible. No wind, no snow, no rain. Nope, nothing, nothing like that. Good. A perfect, a perfect evening to go drop thirty-five. Yep. So if you'll recall, last year when the Packers hosted the Carolina Panthers, it was actually the beginning of November. It was the first week of November, and it snowed, and there was a snow bowl at Lambeau, and it was the first time I got to experience a snow bowl at Lambeau, which was awesome. 
Packers stopped Christian McCaffrey on the goal line to seal the victory against the Panthers heading into their bye week. We won't talk about what happened coming out of the bye, but it was a victory against the uh, last year's version of the Carolina Panthers. This year's version is a little bit different. A lot. Uh, yep. Last year, uh, I'm trying to remember, the quarterback Kyle Allen, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Kyle Allen. And Kyle Allen is a product of Scottsdale, Arizona. He played high school football right here where, where I live. And this year it is going to be Teddy Bridgewater, and the Packers fans are familiar with Teddy, but it's been a while since they've gone up against uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I think last time they, they faced him was in 2015 when he was a rookie. And he was starting a game for the Vikings at TCF Stadium because U.S. Bank Stadium wasn't quite finished yet. So Green Bay hasn't really faced Teddy too too many times. And obviously this version of him with the Panthers is is going to be very different. Um, And we'll talk about some of the things that Teddy does well in a little bit. But just a real quick, so we're going to do a game preview today. Normally we're the the injury update, but uh, because it's game day, we're going to to depart from our usual format. So Packers-Panthers, the Panthers have lost seven of their last eight games. They've had some close losses, but they've lost seven of their last eight. Christian McCaffrey is doubtful, which makes a world of difference for the Panthers, who are, uh, they're underdogs as it is. So obviously, you know, Christian McCaffrey, the Packers are continuing to push forward to keep a hold on that number one seed. Mark, this has kind of been a theme throughout the season. The Packers seem to get the version of their opponent with somebody banged up, dinged up, COVID, whatever it be. I'm not complaining, but obviously Christian McCaffrey being out for the Panthers completely changes the complexion of things. Yeah, he's been out. He's had a rough year, uh, McCaffrey. It's a shame. He's been a great player, um, you know, one of the top backs in the league, but he hasn't been healthy most of the year. Um, and there's no reason. I mean, you know, there was talk he might play this week. Why? I mean, just – I don't know. I mean, I, I, I saw Matt Rule's quote about, you know, we're just going to try it. We know we're, we're trying to win every week, but at what cost? You don't mm-hmm. want to put a injured, he's your star, he's your future. You know, if, if the Panthers turn it around next year, and, and they're even though they, they, they're on a losing streak here now, they're kind of headed the right way, I think, with Matt Rule, and they have, they have some good young players on defense, and, and I like Teddy Bridgewater. I've, I've always been a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. Um you don't want to put McCaff- a, a less than 100% Christian McCaffrey out there in a game that really means nothing to the Panthers. I mean, at this point, the Panthers, you know, play hard, play as well as you can, but really you're better off losing and getting a really good good pick again next year in the draft, right? So um, I, I hope this. I, I hope the theme that you mentioned could, continues right to the Super Bowl and <laughs> the Eagles play the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is out that week. <laughs> Well, Christian McCaffrey, there's, the Panthers have a lot of money invested in him, and so I would think you protect your investment there. He's one of the few right. running backs that has gotten paid in a very big way, and more on that later on, too, as well, regarding the Packers and running backs, too. But, you know, the one thing Matt Rule did say this week was that he, and of course, being a head coach, you got to keep your team motivated, and you got to say the right things, and you got to try to keep the culture strong. Well, the, the Carolina's last three games come against some pretty tough opponents. They have Green Bay this week, then I think they take they take on Washington, uh, next week, um, I, think right, yeah. I think they take out Washington next week, and then I think they face the Saints in the wow. the is it, is it the Saints? Am I do I have that wrong in the final week of the season? I think they they face, whoever's leading the, the well, yeah, I think it's the Saints. So they've got tough games. They've got they've definitely got some tough games, and this is that time of year where you know well you learn a lot about a team and a culture in terms of who plays, who doesn't play. Do guys just get dinged up and decide they're going to sit it out and all that kind of stuff? But Paul, Christian McCaffrey, uh, and, and, you know, I guess one thing that uh, that we should mention it with McCaffrey being out, too, is that now Mike Davis takes over. Now, Mike Davis has three touchdowns in his last three games. Uh, he had two in last week's loss to the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are not, you know, they're, they're beat up as well. The, you know, Carolina losing to them was probably not the, uh, not quite the stamp of, 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 I shouldn't say stamp of approval, but not really the way that you want to want to come out and perform. But so Mike Davis takes over, um, you know, he's about five, nine. He's, he's, he's a shifty back and the Packers, you know, have definitely had their, their struggles against the run. So what does this bode or what does this mean for the Packers run defense? 
I think Davis is definitely someone to keep an eye on. He's in the run game. He's averaging just over four yards per carry. Uh, nothing too spectacular, but as we know, the Packers run defense can you know add half a yard or a full yard to to that average. Um, and also something interesting that I learned this week: um, the Packers are giving up about fifty-one receiving yards per game to running backs. That's the most in the NFL. And the almost nine yards per catch that running backs are averaging is the third most. And so Mike Davis has almost, he's at 371 receiving yards this year. For a little context, Aaron Jones is at 285. And I know Jones has missed two games, but that's still almost 90 yards over two games in receiving. So he's a, they use him quite a bit in the passing game. And so he's definitely someone to watch there. And obviously from those numbers, running backs have given the Packers fits a little bit in the passing game. He's no Christian McCaffrey by any means. Christian McCaffrey is a, I mean, we've seen it. He's a game wrecker, running game, passing game. So they dodge a bullet in that in that regard. But uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Mike Davis. I mean, we've seen the formula against this Packers team, the Vikings. You know, they did it, run the ball, keep Aaron Rodgers and that offense off the field because I do think it can be another big week for the Packers offense. So run the ball, give it to Mike Davis, easy completions, move the chains, long sustaining drives and keep the Packers' offense on the sidelines. You know, the interesting thing about that stat about running backs and receiving yards, Paul, is that it's, it seems to me like most most of those yards start at or behind the line of scrimmage, and then there's some tackling issues. You know, I've seen guys get in the backfield and miss that first tackle. I can't tell you how many times and how many different players I've seen miss that tackle. And I know we harp on the mechanics and special teams and, and the culture and all that kind of stuff too, but... Mark, I'll ask you because you've covered a lot of a lot of football teams. To me, it seems like defenses do kind of decide. You got to have good players, yes, but they do kind of decide if they're going to allow certain things to happen. Like, you know, it might not be the best comparison for me to talk about the '96 Packers defense because they were so good. But you weren't going to do anything on them. They decided they weren't going to give anything up there. So, is the tackling issue? Is it an attitude? Do they need to adjust their attitude and turn it up a notch here as they get close to the, to the playoffs? 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. Well, yeah, I mean, missed tackles have, ha- have haunted the Packers this whole season, the last couple seasons, actually. And it's not just the Packers, though. It's it's league-wide. The, the tackling isn't as good as it once was. And I I think, you know, I don't think I'm going out, out, out on my limb here saying it's because they don't practice. They, they you know, not just this year. I know this year was even worse because of uh, COVID and everything, but – you know, they so teams didn't really have a training camp, and the, like the limited camp that they had, I don't think any of them hit or, or or tackled, and you don't tackle in practice, so it's it's hard to become a good tackler when you don't practice tackling. I mean, if if Mason Crosby never practiced field goals, he probably doesn't make a fifty-seven yarder last week to, to you know uh, against the Lions, right? I mean, you know, you you know, I hate, I hate to bring up you know. It's not high school. It's, it, these guys are pros, and, and they should be able to tackle. Right. But when you don't do it, it's hard to do. It's, it's like anything else. I mean, um, so that, that's part of it. But that stat that, that Paul had about the backs, I think a lot of those, the Packers are susceptible to the screen pass. Um, you know, they, they have an aggressive defense in a lot of ways. Um, 
they'll get you know they they want to go after the passer, and that that's what they're good at. That's probably the the strength of this defense. And when they ca- if the offense catches them, you know, coming hard, and they they do a little screen, sometimes it it could splinter into a twenty something yard game, and that's that's where you you know somebody's got to stay home. And they really haven't gotten good ball. Let's be honest. The, the inside linebacker play this year hasn't been as good as they had hoped. Christian Kirksey is not the guy the Packers thought he was when they signed him. Let's just be honest. Yeah, I think between the, like you said, the screen game, the linebacker play, and then the, you know, the soft zone that Mike Pettin plays, that creates a lot of space and room underneath. And then those other factors and the poor tackling as well. And that's something that running backs are able to take advantage of. So frustrating, too. We've talked about that soft zone, the soft coverage, and I just don't think anything's going to change between that now and the end of the year. And I, my opinion is if you're Matt LaFleur, you let Mike Pettin know what your game plan is and what your plan is for the rest of the season, and he's, he's, you're his boss. So this is the expectation. This is what I expect you to do. You know, and Matt LaFleur is going to own if something doesn't go well. If, you know, he's done it before, and he'll own it. But you know, without getting too far into the Mike Pettin rabbit hole here and looking at the looking at what the Panthers do, the Panthers are scoring 23.6 points a game. Uh, they're giving up 25.5. That would make sense because they're not very you know they're they're losing a lot of games this year. Uh, they allow just over 250 passing yards a game, 113 rushing yards per game. So the Packers are going to have an opportunity to run the ball if they can establish the run. You've got, obviously, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams teed up. A.J. Dillon's off the COVID reserve list, so the running back stable is is healthier. But looking, you know, getting back to Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers' offense, you know, Bridgewater is ranked as one of the best deep ball throwers in the league this season. Now, the Packers, in seasons past, have been bitten by that deep ball quite a bit. Not as much this year. This season hasn't really hasn't really affected them as much, and that is one of the things that I think Mike Pettin is trying to avoid. One of the reasons yeah. why he runs the the coverage that he does is because he does not want to get beat deep, and just feels like if we get killed deep, then that puts a lot of stress on our offense. Now this year, the offense, this version of the offense could probably handle it, but you don't ever want to have your offense having to go toe to toe with another team because all it takes is one or two stops, and you're you're done. So. The Packers haven't been been bitten by that deep ball this season, but this is going to be a test for the secondary. And Paul, I don't know if you wrote about this at all this week in, in one of your many articles over at Darren Land or at Cheesehead TV. But you know, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater and the deep ball, the, the Panthers don't have much to lose. You know, to Mark's point about you know the Panthers just you know why why play McCaffrey? They don't have a whole lot going for them. Why not chuck it deep and see if the Packers can can cover it and and if they can handle it? Obviously, Jair's really good, but Kevin King, you know got beat on the Marvin Jones, would have, should have been a catch at the end of the Lions game. So, you know, how do you see this potentially being a, a thing for the Packers defense to have to, to contend with? Yeah, it's definitely something to, I don't, I don't know about worry about, but definitely be mindful of. It's kind of strength versus strength. Bridgewater is not a high percentage downfield quarterback. I think he's around the middle in terms of deep ball throws, but when he does it, they've been very effective and efficient. Uh, DJ Moore ranks fifth in deep receiving yards, and the deep receiving uh, pass is one that travels at least 20 yards. Robbie Anderson's 22nd. Curtis Samuel doesn't have a ton of targets, but he's caught six of eight of those deep passes with two touchdowns. So Bridgewater doesn't take those shots. Like I said, a ton. He's not at you know Aaron Rodgers level throwing it downfield in terms of um, how often he does it, but the Panthers have been effective. And we know... At this point, Jair is going to do what Jair does. But the other side of the field, Kevin King um, and then Chandon Sullivan as well, they're going to they're going to have to step up their performance from from last week's game. Otherwise, there is that potential for Bridgewater is going to take those shots, and with those receivers, there's that potential that they're going to come down with some big plays. But like you said, Jason, the Packers haven't given up a ton of big plays this season, and for all the uh, <laughs> not credit, but uh, grief that Mike Pettin gets with his defense. The reason why, a big reason why they haven't given up those uh, deep plays is because of the coverage that they play and preventing that. You give up the underneath, but they're not going to give you those throws downfield. So in a way, it's kind of a strength versus strength, but this is a battle that I think the Packers should still be able to come out on top of. Well, okay, so two-part question for you, Mark, on that note there. Because Chandon Sullivan has, according to a lot of the, the talk that I hear, taken a little bit of a step back this season in the nickel role. We were confident in him going into this season because he made some plays last year. But when you're playing full-time, you're in a full-time role, 
you know, all your true color, color shine. So do you feel that, that Shannon Sullivan has taken that step back? And on the flip side in the secondary, I think one sign of success that the secondary is having is that Darnell Savage is actually being used up in the box and, and blitzing had a, had a sack last week. So if you can afford to send Savage and you're, you're taking risks, you know, maybe, maybe we're being a little bit too hard on Petten. He is taking some chances and blitzing his safeties. And, and on a couple of occasions, Savage has, has gotten home in addition to being that center fielder back there and, and keeping some of those deep balls in front of him. Yeah, well, I'm I'm probably the the least hard on Petten as of most people. I don't I don't think the defense is it has its flaws. Don't get me wrong; it's not a perfect defense by any means. I'm not even going to call it a good defense, but it's not. Nobody plays defense in the NFL anymore. Do you watch Monday Night? Yeah, like 100, 102 to 101 or whatever final score. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, if I, I, the Packers are a middle of the road defensive team, that's what they are. They're not one of the best, but they're certainly not one of the worst. You know, they've improved in some areas. Last week, they shut down the run. The Lions didn't run the ball well at all. They, they held them to under four yards to carry. So they have improved a little bit there. Um, one one worry that they don't have this week, or they shouldn't have this week, Panthers don't have a big-time tight end. Tight ends have hurt the pack. A good, I, I could say good tight ends have hurt the Packers. And, again, that goes back to the inside linebacker play a lot. Um so they don't have, they don't need to really I mean, the Panthers tight end I think he has like twenty catches this year or something um, it's not the Greg Olson Panthers any anymore so thank you Lord um, <laughs> so they don't have to worry about that so I'm you know I'll trust that that, that the defensive coach has come up with a with a scheme so, um, Alexander will probably match up my guess is with I don't know I don't know if he matched up with DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson one or the other and then you know come up with something to take care of the other guy. But again, it all starts up front. If Bridgewater's under pressure, he's not going to have time to, to go deep. So that's up to, you know, Z Smith and, and P Smith and, and Gary and Kenny Clark and all the guys up front to, you know, beat their man. And the Carol and Panthers offensive line's a little banged up, isn't it? Greg Did Little put on did? injured reserve. Yep. This yeah. Is all, so, yeah. And Ocon's been banged up too, right? So, Little bit up, little banged up. I expect them to get some, pre- you know, to go after Bridgewater. Um, you know, I'm not saying they have to get six sacks, but you know, make him throw a little sooner than he wants. Don't give him the time to go deep. And like I said, there's no tight end that you have to be real fearful of. So yeah, I, I think this could be a good effort by the defense uh, Saturday night. I just wanted to touch. I just wanted to touch on you bringing up the the defense's overall performance, and the biggest difference between this year and last year isn't even on the defensive side of the ball. It's the offense. Last year, the defense had to uh, keep the opponent under twenty five points. This year, they don't have to do that. The offense is dropping thirty pretty regularly, and so that's one of the biggest differences this year. Where even though turnovers are down, which I mean that's to be expected. That's an easy regression. Um, they're not getting the same amount of pressure, maybe not as efficient in red zone defense as far as stopping touchdowns. You know, if they give up 24, 25, 26, even 27 points, there's a good chance that this Packers offense is still going to, you know, put up 30 plus and they're still going to come away with the with the win, which in the end is all that matters. Right. Oh, I I I couldn't agree more. Like I said, the Packers offense is one or two in the league, in my opinion. I mean, Kansas City's is pretty good too. So, you know, I'm not. I never worry about the offense. I, I they're, they're going to get their points. They're they're going to move the ball. You know, Rodgers is Rodgers, and you know Adams is Adams. Jones and Williams are both good backs. You know, Tanya's going to get a touchdown. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, their their offense is fine. And like I said, the defense. You know, it's not nearly as good as the offense. It's, it's obviously the second best unit by far. Um, and they have to, you know, and you know, last people said, you know, last year they, I thought they were the best unit of the of the, of the three, um, but they didn't. But they got some breaks last year too, and some of the teams that they faced were, were missing some offensive people. Um, you know, I think they're 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 okay, and they've come up with some stops when they needed them. Um, the week, I mean, special teams is the problem. I mean, they, Packers special teams could no, could it's brutal. I mean, they could ruin a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and the Panthers, uh, you know, they have one 98-yard kickoff return this year. No, they so, might get another one. 
So, I mean, you know, by by special teams, you know, by average return yardage at, at 25.5 yards per attempt for Carolina are one of the actually the better units in the league. And they're probably going to look to use that strength to their advantage, especially with with no McCaffrey. They're going to take some chances and they have to they have to try to get yards and points wherever they can because they're, you know, their big workhorse is going to be out. But I mean, uh, I was just going to say these special teams errors have come in just the worst time. I mean, the the Jaguars' punt return gave them the lead. The Shepherds' fumble in Indianapolis took a possession away from Rodgers and put the Colts in scoring range. Uh, Rager, for the Eagles, his punt return made it a one-score game. Agnew's kick return last week, the 71-yarder where, you know, Mason Crosby thankfully made the tackle. You know, they're fortunate that didn't end in a touchdown. There was that holding penalty when Chase Daniel ran it in. But they still got three points out of it and, once again, made it a one-score game. Like, these are... These are mistakes that in the playoffs are going to cost you games. This, right. I don't know what they got to do differently, but it has to get buttoned up. They don't need this unit to be great by any means. Nobody's asking that. Just stop with these egregious errors. Yeah, and and look at the three teams that that you mentioned, Paul. Right, um, Jacksonville. You know, the uh, re, the return, mm-hmm. the Eagles return, the Lions a return. That's a that's three bad teams. Those three teams aren't going to the playoffs. So, you know, you do like you said, you do that against Seattle or you do it against the Rams or you do it against, you know, the Saints, that that's gonna lose you that's gonna lose you the game. They're lucky that they that those errors came against teams that just weren't good enough to beat the Packers even with that break. Absolutely. So, and thank God Mason Crosby kicked off last week and not JK Scott, where that would have been a touchdown. <laughs> that guy ain't making a tackle. No. Yeah, and I, and I've said it many times. I don't want to keep beating a, the, a dead horse and I also don't want it to be true but I, I say the same the tendencies and things that have befuddled you all season are going to be the things that are going to probably get you in the playoffs too so Packers have to clean it up I, I at this point I mean, to they me damn near, they damn near gave up the onside kick last week yeah I mean to me it's, yeah, that it's, too. it's to me yeah but you know what though credit to Robert Tanyan I you know every once in a while the Packers find an undrafted free agent who just does a couple of, you know, Tanya, like, just kind of, he just gets it, you know. He did that little, you know, almost like the the limbo move to try to avoid touching the ball. Because if he touches the ball, it's going to be the Lions ball. Like, that's that's bad. I just, I don't want to see, at this point, if I'm Sean Manega, well, first of all, if I'm Sean Manega, I've got bags under my eyes because I'm not sleeping because I know I'm probably, you know, I, I might have to brush up my resume after this well, season. I don't bags on your eyes, but your bags ought to be packed. Yeah, right. That's 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 my point. Is you know my bags are are going to be packed soon. But I would just you know my my approach would be look, we are what we are. J.K. Scott, just kick it into the end zone every time. Just kick yeah. it out of the back of the end zone. I don't care. Just kick off. This yeah. just and kick it kick it out of the end zone. Kick it into the end zone. Touchback, touchback, touchback all day long. The other way, you know, don't just give your defense a chance because otherwise, you know, I mean. They, I guess the good news is is that if another team's starting on on the Green Bay's 35 yard line, the defense isn't going to get tired. But you know they're going to be out there a lot because they're they're uh, you know the other team's scoring and and Green Bay comes back and scores. And if they do it quickly, then I don't know. I, it just the the special teams is not something that I that I want to I want to be contending with. And and it's not special teams, but on the defensive side of things, the Panthers. Uh, they lead the league with 13 fumbles. They forced 13 fumbles this season. Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Jeremy Chin uh, have all been been really good at forcing fumbles this season. They only have five interceptions on the season, but they're getting the ball out. And and fumbling is not really something the Packers have done a ton of this season. Now, obviously, the big one by Marquez Valdez-Scanling at the end of the Colts game gives Indianapolis a chance to win a game in overtime that Green Bay might have otherwise won. But... Ball security is going to be another thing, and now we're into winter. We're into the cold part of this of the season. There isn't going to necessarily be any weather. We talked about that at the top of the show, but the old ball security drill, Paul. You know that the 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 running backs and and Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, fortunately, not really known for putting the ball on the ground. Thank goodness. But again, Carolina, not much to lose. They're going to be coming in and they're going to be looking to peanut Tillman every ball that they possibly can. I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said it best. The Panthers don't create a bunch of turnovers via the interception, and we know that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to give them that opportunity, you know, odds are. 
but protecting the ball is going to be key. 13 forced fumbles and the recovery, or 13 fumble recoveries, that's a lot. And for a team that you should beat, like the Panthers, they're 4 and 9. I think that they're they're not going to be a pushover. I think that they're well coached under Matt Rule. And as Matt LaFleur pointed out, seven of their nine losses are by only one score. They're not getting blown out by any means. But the way that you let teams like this hang around is one special teams mistakes, which we've already covered and <laughs> fingers crossed we don't see anything and then losing the turnover battle. So yeah, protecting the ball. Uh, once the ball carriers have that, the ball in their hands and trying to pick up those extra yards, watching out for that peanut punch. Cause we know that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be giving it up. So ball carriers have to be ready. And I'm, I'm positive Matt LaFleur discussed that this week. Mark, doesn't it seem like, and I, I don't, I don't know. We, as we're talking about Carolina right now, I feel like Carolina is kind of like the 2008 Packers. Almost. 2008? Take take me back to two, 2008. What happened in 2008? 6-10, and 10 and they lost, uh, you know, they lost seven or eight games by one possession or less. Was Rogers first, was that Rogers' first year? First year as a starter, yep. Okay, all right. Um I see. I'm, I hear a lot about the Panthers because I'm down. I'm down here in South Carolina, and you know we, we, that's the local team. Um, they have. I tell you what. I, yeah, Matt Matt Rule's going to do a good job. I mean, he's. They were doing. They looked like the surprise team early in the year. Yeah, they were good. And then they lost McCaffrey, which they and they won a couple games without him. But after a while, you can't. It's hard for a team to win without their best player. I don't care what what team it is. It's just hard. When you, especially when you're not as deep or as talented as the Panthers are. I mean, Matt Rules is a first-year coach for a reason. I mean, they didn't get rid of Ron Rivera for no reason. They team, The team was going the wrong way. So, I mean, but they, they have some good young players. I mean, this is a team that you look at, at their defense, and they have, you know, uh, Brian Burns, who has six sacks. He's in his second year. Um, I can't think that the, their first-round pick this year is a pretty good player. I can't think of his name. Not a big defensive lineman. You know, uh, Jeremy Chin's a good player. Derek he, Brown. Derek Brown, yes. Um, you know, they, you know, they, their linebackers aren't bad at all. Um, they're, they have some, they have, they, they have talent on defense, young talent. Now, their secondary is very young. Um, they have the rookie fourth round pick at another name uh, starting, and Rosal Douglas, who I know from the Eagles, is their other starting corner. Aaron Rodgers could, if, if given time, and he should have time, he could pick that secondary apart. He really could. That, that's that's probably the I think the weakest part of their team is their corners, and they're going to have their hands full with with, with Rodgers to Adams. I think I don't know. I don't even know who they're going to. Uh, Adams could have a real big day, but but the Panthers. But like, like getting back to what you said about the Panthers, they're they're heading the right way. Um, you know they'll they'll probably get another good pick this in this year's draft. Um, I don't know which which, which way they'll go, but they'll they'll get a good player, and that's what they need. I mean they they have they have McCaffrey who's who's a star. They, their their wide receivers aren't bad. Like I said, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Um, I like to, I don't know what what you guys think of Teddy Bridgewater. I don't. I mean again, I'm not putting him up. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not in that you know that conversation. He's better than a lot of starters in this league, I think. I, mean, he, I thought he was pretty good with the Vikings before he had that terrible injury. I think he gives you stability because you yeah. know what you're going to get with him. Right. He's not a superstar by any means, but he's not going to – he won't lose games. He's not going to lose games for you. He's, he's not, you know – I don't want to – I mean, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks. But, yeah, he's – you put enough people around him, he'll manage a game for you. Yeah, another thing. Yeah, I like. I was going to say, I like. I like Bridgewater. I think his his. Uh, you know, he's also got. Uh, he's he's got the head for it too. He's he's a smart. He's a smart quarterback. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, or an overbearing parent screaming words of wisdom from the stands, fewer than one percent of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league: the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Whether it be 30 years of Hall of Fame QB play in Green Bay or 30 years of quarterback torture in Chicago, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. 
Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on as far as uh, the Panthers' defense, Brian Burns, we all know that many Packer fans wanted him in last year's draft over Rashawn Gary. And so I found this this little nugget because it's not really fair to compare Burns' stats versus Gary's stats. He's played way more, especially last year, and he's, I think he's taken over 100 more snaps on defense this year than what Gary has. So looking at sacks, pressures, it's not you know it's not obviously that fair to compare the two. But uh, I got in the weeds a little bit with this one, so I apologize. But you guys know I love my numbers. But Pro Football Focus has their pass rush productivity, which is basically just an efficiency metric. Uh, what's the rate that you're putting pressure on the quarterback? And it's weighted heavier towards sacks. Out of all edge rushers, Brian Burns is 18th. Out of all edge rushers, Rashawn Gary, 19th. So th- this season, they're from a from an efficiency standpoint. Brian Burns' numbers, you know, if you're just looking at that, they're, they're, there's more there. They're gaudier. But from an efficiency standpoint, they're both getting after the quarterback at a similar rate. I think Gary's better against, against the run, too. Burns isn't much of a run guy, right? He's just a go-get-the-quarterback. Yeah, he's been very good at it, too. Oh, no, he's a good player. I mean, Carolina made, made a good pick with him. But I, I think Gary's going to be okay, too. Gary hustles. You know, that's oh, one yes, thing I does. like about Rashad Gary is he, he hustles. That speed shows up in the game, which is what they drafted him for, you know, whether whether you think he was overdrafted or not. I mean, he's he's taken on a lot of Preston Smith's snaps. So your first-round pick from last year is doing what he's supposed to do, which is become a starter. And I think that, you know, I think Rashad Gary is – I think the arrow is, is definitely pointing up. I like Brian Burns a lot too. I mean, that's you know could end up being one of those draft classes that we point back to and say, look at all these you know pass rushers or all these guys that came out of this draft. Yeah, you talk about last year's draft. Um, that draft class is starting to show up a little bit now. Gary's coming on. He had a, you know he got hurt last week, but he was playing well. I thought before he he left the game with hip injury. As you mentioned earlier, Jason uh, Savage is playing well. Um, Kiki for a fifth round pick is, you know, doing. He's getting some reps. He's getting some snaps. He's he's making some plays. Obviously, Elton Jenkins has been the star of that draft, even from last year. And he, mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Aaron Rodgers could be the most valuable player in the league. I think it's either him or Mahomes. Elton Jenkins might be the Packers' most valuable player if you think about it. <laughs> I mean, look at what look at what he's done this year. I mean. It's amazing. I, I mean, I, don't, I think it's a, it's a fact that no one's ever done what he's done, right? Play all five positions in, in one year. Mm-hmm. And, and at a high level. Done. I mean, he put, yes, he put up nearly Pro Bowl level. numbers as a as a left guard. And if he had played center all year this season, I think he would have – I think he probably would have done the same. And he's given the Packers some flexibility in addition to all the things on the field, Mark, that you mentioned. He's now given the Packers a lot of options and flexibility with what they want to do with yeah. Corey Lindsley because they've got Elton Jenkins. And maybe they already knew that. Right, I think they did, but um, yeah. So I mean, um, am I forgetting anybody from last year's draft? Well, Jay Sternberger has not stayed yeah, healthy. He, not, stay healthy. he hasn't yeah. stayed healthy, and it's he's That's an interesting strong. he's an interesting case study because uh, Paul, I don't remember when we did the season preview show on Pulse who your breakout player of the year was, but I think didn't we both have Sternberger? I'll be honest, I don't remember, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> he was my easy choice, but I'm t- I mean, obviously this was back in August. But he was my he was my easy choice. I'm not giving up on him yet. But I will say this: if we're looking at the same story next year, and he only plays in, you know, eight or nine games and is pedestrian, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, but but if he does turn on a light bulb, stay healthy, and has a really good season, and he he goes full Kevin King, and all of a sudden puts up a huge 2021 season, yeah, that 2019 draft, Mark, to your point, is is looking real darn good. And Kingsley Kiki on the defensive line. He's he's going to equalize things there because he will eventually take over the snaps, the the few too many snaps that I think Dean Lowry is getting right now because Lowry is not not an all game type player. I mean he he makes a play every now and then, but he's not good enough for me to, to me to be playing full time next to Kenny Clark without some sort of rotation or without trying to find somebody who's a little more impactful. Kingsley Kiki has made an impact when he's been out there. Well, he's good against the pass. I mean, he's a good pass rusher. He's He's shown that he has to get a little bigger, a little stronger to be better against the run. But for a fifth round pick, I can't complain. I mean, if your fifth round pick, first of all, you're hoping he makes the team, and then you're, you're hoping he he plays a little bit. And, and Kiki's exceeded, you know, what a fifth round pick is, is supposed to do. So yeah, he's been he's been good. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody from last year's draft, or maybe I'm not. 
Kadar Holman. Holman, who has, yeah, he's been a little disappointment. I mean, he didn't even dress last week. He's a health, he was healthy and, and, and active, but that's not a good sign. He's the guy, we, and we liked him, Paul and I. We, we, uh, we, we, we both liked him, didn't we? I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just curious, so I just looked up uh, Jay Sternberger's numbers. He, we, I mean, we've talked about it on here how tight ends just a difficult position in general to transition to from college to the NFL. But he only has 301 total offensive snaps in his NFL career. Um, right. And like I said, it's a position that takes time. So I think if there's anyone out there who's nervous about his production or anything like that, I think there's still plenty of time for him to turn well, into the player that we think he can. Well, I want to say he has to, the first thing he has to do is play. He, you know, he can't, keep, I mean, it's a shame. He gets concussion. He gets this, he gets that. It's like, you know, it's, it's a shame really. I mean, the only good side of it is, you know, Robert Tunyon has become, damn, I mean, he's probably, I, I don't want, I don't have to listen in front of me. He's got to be one of the top 10 tight ends in football right oh, now, e- right? Oh, easily. 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 Top he's top almost 10, got right? 10 touchdowns. I mean, he's, he's, he's productive. Yeah, yeah. He has more touchdowns than incompletions, and he has over 50 targets. That's ridiculous. That's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, that, it's funny. Tight end went from like, oh my God, they don't have a tight end to where, they have now. They have you know Tunyon, who's like we said, having a great year. Sternberger, who we're not giving up on, and the kid they drafted this past year, Deguar, who was looking mm-hmm. pretty good till he got hurt. Yeah, he was. So they're, they're, and they got the big dog, the big dog, who's veteran presence, good blocker, and he's catching some balls this year. So you know, tight end all of a sudden is like a strength of the team. It's amazing. Uh, ben Fennel does his film room on over at the Athletic every week, and one of his uh, highlights this week was Mercedes Lewis as a blocker. I mean, here's Lewis at 36 years old, going one on one with defensive ends and just holding his own. It's it's incredible what he's doing, and he's truly a, such an important part of this offense. Lafleur's talked about it. Rogers has talked about it. Even though he's not, he's never been or never going to be someone who fills the stat sheet. Well, that's the dog part of big dog. I guess. Yeah, Speaking of Rodgers. Or the big part of Big Dog. Big part of Big Dog, <laughs> but altogether. Speaking of Rodgers, obviously having an MVP-worthy season, there's been a lot of debate about Rodgers, Mahomes, who's going to win the MVP. Will it be someone else besides the two of them? I'd be surprised. At this pay, at this rate, there's still three more weeks plus the playoffs. So, uh, Rodgers, the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for 35 touchdowns in five seasons. Add that to all the other records that he already has. I know there's a bunch of other ones. I don't want to list all of them because otherwise the show's going to be hours long. But, I'll, I'll ask you guys each. I think this is this is interesting, and I guess it's okay to talk about this because Aaron Rodgers is, is playing very well. So what makes an MVP? What makes someone an MVP? What is your definition of the most valuable player? Mark, I'll start with you. You've covered the NFL for many, many years. I also had to vote a couple, a, a couple times. I take it literally. I say it's most valuable. Um. Where would your team be without you? That's how I look at it. So, in that vein, and I actually wrote this. I actually wrote this um, this week for Packer Report. I, I did a notes like a notes story, and I'm and I'm the last guy in the world that thinks there could ever be a co MVP. But if there ever was a year, I I think Rodgers and Mahomes are co MVPs because I think they're both that valuable. You know, you take either one of them off their teams, they're not, they're not, I don't think they're either. I'm, well, we've seen the Packers without Rodgers, right? I mean, they're not a playoff team. Instead, and with them, they're, they're the number one seed. Kansas City, I, I don't know if they'd be a playoff team or not without Mahomes, but they, I don't think they wouldn't be very good. We saw them last, the Packers beat them last year without, without Mahomes, right? So that's how I look at it. That's why I would never, ever vote for a guy on a non playoff team. Because that's what player of the player of the year, sure, but most valuable. Well, he wasn't that damn valuable. If his team didn't, I mean, so if they didn't have him, they they wouldn't be in the playoffs still, right? So it's got to be someone that, to me anyway, I, I use the literal term valuable. I I think that's the key word in most valuable player. So in 1997, when Brett Favre had to share with Barry Sanders, who should have gotten it, Mark? <laughs> You take me back for again. Did the Lions make the playoffs? <laughs> no. Uh, in 97, I don't – they beat the Packers. One of the three losses came to Detroit in Detroit, but I don't think the Lions made the playoffs that year. 
for them than it should have just been Favre. Favre. Because the Lions, the Lions did make the playoffs a couple of years. Remember, they, they, the Packers beat them a couple times. That I, yeah, it was in like 93, 94. So okay. 90, it wasn't in 97. So I'm getting old. All the years kind of blend together. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm right but there. No, if, if, if the Lions didn't make the playoffs, Sanders, I don't care if he had 3,000 yards. How valuable was he? Right. No, I'm right. I'm right there with you, Paul. How do you see it? And I'm sure you'll write about this at some point as we get <laughs> into the the playoffs and such. But I mean, how do you how do you see it as far as MVP goes? And and obviously, Rodgers and Mahomes are both deserving stat wise. They're they're really close. So how do you call it? I mean, I'm pretty much in the same boat with Mark on this one, where I too think about it as the most valuable. What would it, what would the team be like without them? Um, I think stats do come into it as well, and then also how's the team performing. I think in some of the more um, crucial, I guess if the word, that's the word to use, uh, statistical categories between uh, Rodgers and Mahomes, I think Rodgers has the edge in a few of them or several of them. So that's where I would lean at this time just because he's putting up ridiculous numbers, but he's doing it really efficiently and consistently as well. Um, and I know Mahomes is playing at a high level. It certainly isn't a knock on what he's doing this year. But, you know, the value that they bring to each of their teams, wins, losses, overall stats, it's super, super close. But I think I'd give the edge to Rodgers at this point, and not to be a homer, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I to me, it's 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 just that. It's, it's what does – I guess not not so much what would they be without him, but what does he give them? What does he add? Like what does he add? Right. I mean, you know, with with Aaron Rodgers, the win chance, the win percentage. You know, what is what is the Packers' chance to win the Super Bowl? What's the Packers' chance to host the NFC Championship game? Those types of things. Get the number one seed. What are they with without Rodgers? What are they with Rodgers? All those things are important. The boost that he gives to this team is huge. I guess it's basically me saying the same thing as you guys in a different way. You know, because oh, if, yeah. if he wasn't playing and he wasn't there, their chances would be a lot more diminished. Well, but if but if we were doing Chiefs a Day podcast, <laughs> we'd be saying the same things about Patrick Mahomes too, right? Yeah, and and I guess it just you you can compare the the talent level, and you could you could say the Packers have Devontae Adams, and he's great, and Travis Kelsey's not the you know he's not the same position; he's a tight end. But you know they've got Travis Kelsey and. You know, the, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill. The Packers have, I don't know, would you, would you go with Aaron Jones? You know, they've got, you know, they have we running backs. The Chiefs have for running me, backs too. So For um, me, a big part is just, like I said, just how efficient Rodgers has been this year, though. Yeah. Like over 70% completion percentage. He's almost like flawless in the red zone this year. Uh, deep ball he's much improved upon. I think he's just been so efficient. And he doesn't have like – uh, the total yards that Mahomes does, some of those stats, but he's still less interceptions, more touchdowns, and just overall, I think he's been more efficient. Well, hey, and listen, I know the I know the Chiefs still won the game, but Rodgers hasn't thrown three picks in one game either. I can yeah. tell you that, and I'm not, you know, I didn't watch it. I, I don't know what the the context was behind why Mahomes threw three picks in one game. The Chiefs still won the game, like I said, but you won't see Aaron Rodgers throwing three interceptions in a game very often, mm-hmm. if at all. So he threw two, he threw two against them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And again, I didn't see the game either. I mean, if, were they were were they at a, you know did they hit the, his receiver in the hand and bounce off and I don't you know you know who knows right you have to see it to really know but again I would love to see Rodgers win the MVP but like I said you know if there's ever a year for Co this would, I think this would be the one right I mean. Because you could really argue all all day between the two of them, and 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 it's definitely a two man race. There's nobody else in the race, right? Well, I would. That's why I said is, is somebody is, is a third person going to pop in there? But I don't, I don't think I mean, so. The one guy I would throw in if if I if if you said to me, well, who is third? I'd say Derrick Henry. <laughs> that's what I was going to say too. Again, for his value. And a week from now, we'll be talking about Derrick Henry because he will be bringing uh, he and the Titans will be coming be to Lambeau Field because we'll do injuries next week, so he'll be on the injury list. I hope. Well, Mark, <laughs> you, Mark, you have to you have to speak it into existence. Uh, <laughs> speaking of running backs, the Packers, Aaron Jones could have a nice day against the Panthers. Like I said, they're giving up 113 rushing yards a game, so Aaron Jones could have a nice day. I know he's going to be motivated. He at this point is going to be auditioning for next year. He's a free agent after this year, and he just fired his agent and hired Drew Rosenhaus this past week. There's been a lot of interesting takes on the hiring of Drew Rosenhaus. Mark, you covered a season 
in which Drew Rosenhaus and Terrell Owens were a power couple, and Terrell Owens was doing sit-ups. Were you at that sit-ups on the driveway? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> you were there? Yeah, I was there. Uh, I'm so tempted to just open the mic. Um so tempted. We should have just led with this. I know. I know. We should have. I know. We should have. Well, I just. I. You know. I don't. I don't see Jones coming back in Green Bay. The Packers uh, running backs have never broken the bank in Green Bay, or not recently at, at all. Thankfully, and the team has too many other pressing needs. They've got defensive line, potentially uh, cornerback, receiver, amongst others there too. But you know, as far as Jones and, and running the football here. Uh, it's it would be nice to see him get on track and, and get ready because as far as the rest of this season goes, Aaron Jones plays for the Green Bay Packers, and he's going to be a big part and big factor in whether or not and how they get to and potentially win a Super Bowl. So, Paul, Aaron Jones, the day he could have against the Panthers, and what does Drew Rosenhaus becoming his agent mean for his future in Green Bay? Well, I hope with the if we looked at Jones's final stat line against the Lions, he had 15 carries and two receptions. But only four of those touches came in the first half. I was I was baffled by Great. that. He had four. He touched the ball four times on a running plays, and he had one target in a passing game, which was incomplete. I was I couldn't believe how little he was in the game. And I know that you know they have Jamal Williams, good running back in his own right. They like to spread the ball around, but this offense is you know it's different when Aaron Jones is in there. And we're in the final stretch. They now are in possession of the NFC's top seed. I mean, use that guy. Put him in the game. Uh, four touches in one half is just way too minimal, and I know the he got to 17 total, which I, in my head I kind of have 20 as the minimum that I'd like to see. But they got in the ballpark at least, but it took just he was absent, and I'm not sure what the reason for that was. But So I just hope to see more of them consistently throughout the entire game. And, Aaron Jones is going to do what Aaron Jones does, both in the running and passing game. Um, as far as the addition of Drew Rosenhaus as his agent, we well, Rosenhaus has the reputation about going out and getting those big contracts, so I hope Jones does. He deserves it. It's just not going to be here in Green Bay. Um, I mean, there's been reports since the Combine that the Packers and Jones and his agent have been in talks, and you know, Ian Rappaport said that Green Bay mentioned him being a priority, you know, using air quotes, that was their words, not mine. But we look at it's a shrinking salary cap next year. There's other free agent decisions that have to be made. Um, they have Jamal Williams. Like I say, he's a good all-around back in his own right that they could get on a cheaper deal. And then they also have A.J. Dillon, who is a second-round pick. You don't spend a second-round pick on a running back if he's not going to be a key member of your team. So we, between him and... A.J. Dillon on his own, Jamal Williams on his own, they're not Aaron Jones. But when you factor in the uh, cap savings that you'll have, if those are your one and two running backs, along with their skill sets, they can absorb his, his absence next year, and this Packers running game will still be fine. All right, Mark, your take. Your take on the uh, on Jones running the ball and his opportunities against Carolina, and then you've you've covered some Drew Rosenhaus uh, stuff in the past. So your take Ronald, on Jones? Drew Rosenhaus isn't even a factor. It. Um, I wrote this. My story that's up on Packer Report right now is about Aaron Jones and the whole thing. And I'll just I'll just say this: Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, uh, Melvin Gordon. Keep your eye on Ezekiel Elliott. You don't you, you don't give running backs a lot of money because they're they're not worth it. They're just not. I lo- well, and I look love who's that. hurt. Look who's hurt and not playing this weekend for the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey. Look who's missed half the year for the Giants. The number two pick of the draft, the dumbest number two pick ever, and, and since Ryan Leaf, Saquon Barkley. Running backs come and go, you, and you don't win with running backs. Look at the Super Bowls. Kansas City's running. Kansas City's won the Super Bowl last year. Their, their leading running back was Damian Williams, who didn't even have 500 yards. The Eagles won a Super Bowl with uh, McGarrett, Blunt, Jai, and Corey Clement. New England's won a bunch of Super Bowls. I don't. Even, I can't remember who they're running. It was a different guy every every time. I have a. I have an interesting nugget on that. So I did this deep dive over the summer, spring, when I was writing about Aaron Jones. And I went back to 2014 or 15, and I used running backs on winning Super Bowl teams. And my criteria was which running back had the most touches 
throughout the course of the season, mm-hmm. and that's who I put as RB1. And then I looked at what the highest cap hit of the Super Bowl winners in RB1 was, and it was James White of New England at about $3 million. Yeah. That's how you win. You don't overspend on running backs because they're just – and listen, I'm well, I'm with you last week. I'm yelling to no one because I'm watching the game by myself. <laughs> Give Jones the ball. What? Where's Jones? What? I, I thought he hurt. was hurt. I, I thought I he was injured at one point. Is he hurt? And then, and then he come back in. I'm like, okay, if he wasn't hurt, I'm thinking maybe I don't know where is he. And like, but I'm I'm with you. He need as, as long as he's on the team, use him. But you can't give him a crazy contract because it just comes back to bite you. And you know, especially like like you guys said too, like they have other Packers are going to have enough cap problems as it is next year. Um. Yeah, no, I'm just – and if you spend a second-round pick on a running back, you can't then spend crazy money on another running back. Yeah, that's a great point. You, know? you, you, you can you – can, I'm with you. You shouldn't pay running backs top dollar, but you could, you know, like a Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, in the moment, you can understand why a team does oh, it, yeah. oh, but, don't you don't, but you don't do both. <laughs> right. And, you know, and again, I like Aaron. I really do, and I'm, I'll miss him. But Same. But it's you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I've often said I've, I've I've said this through the years. I would draft a running back in the middle rounds, like third, fourth round, fifth round, whatever. Every other year, just every other year, I would take a running back and then just recycle. I mean, I would never give a second contract to a running back. Sure, I would spend on my I spend on my quarterback, my my offensive line, you know, on defense. Running backs come and go. They just, you know, like New England's a perfect example. You know, they won a lot of Super Bowls. Why? It wasn't because of their running backs. It was because they had Tom Brady. And Jones is a prime example of that. He's a fifth-round pick. Jamal Williams was a fourth-round pick. And uh, another little fun nugget I got is 2019, the four highest-paid running backs, their teams all missed the playoffs. So I don't think that that's obviously not the sole reason why they missed the playoffs, but it shows that you don't need to pay a top running back in order to win. Well, Well, if they're the Packers... I was going to say that the Packers need to just draw a line in the sand and wrote Drew Rosenhaus's. You don't hire Drew Rosenhaus to negotiate a draw a line in the sand contract with the Packers. So the tea leaves to me mean and say that there's there's probably not a great chance that he's going to be back in Green Bay. But I think the Packers have to be smart with how they spend that money. Yeah. And 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 Russ Ball's pretty smart with that. So, but like again, back to the, to the running back point. Uh, that's a great one about the top the highest paid didn't make the playoffs. Uh, but also, look at the, the great running backs of our time. Well, you're, you guys are younger, but recent, so your time. Because, I mean, you know, 100 years ago, yes, running backs were much more important than, you know, the, the, the Jim Taylor for Lombardi and, and uh, you know, Jim Brown for Cleveland and guys like that. That's a different, totally different era, even a little bit after that. But we'll bring up Barry Sanders again. People say he's one of the greatest backs ever, right? He won one playoff game. Mm-hmm. One playoff game. All his years, won one playoff game. More recent, Adrian Peterson, great running back, right? Mm-hmm. Won one playoff game. One! <laughs> I think, <laughs> maybe two. I mean, never got to the Super Bowl. Didn't, didn't, you know, got close to one year, right, when they lost to the Saints. I mean, it, it, you know, they're not important. I hate to say it that way, but they're just not that important. Right. No, and like I said, so as far as – Ride the horse until it until the the until it dies, I guess, or ride oh, it, ride it until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Well, the Packers. If I'm, if I'm the Packers now, I'm I'm riding Aaron Jones out. Well, the Packers. So to that to that point, and to, to kind of drive us home here, the Packers have reclaimed control of their destiny. They have the one seed, and they just you know they seem laser focused on keeping it. Rodgers has said the home field is important to him. He's never had it as in his time as a, as a starter. It takes a team effort. Rodgers obviously can't do it alone, but you know, like I said, as as a starter, he is not checked off that box of having hosted a an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. So the easy and obvious solution is win these last three games. And Aaron Jones running the ball and getting his touches is probably going to, since the offense is kind of the the, the side of the ball that's more carrying this team, not totally because the defense isn't bad. But Aaron Jones is going to be a big big part of that there. But the Packers have another big opportunity because the Chiefs go to Saint, uh, New Orleans this week and, and face the Saints. It sounds like Drew Brees has a chance to play, but I don't see Patrick Mahomes and company losing. They're also focused on getting to the Super Bowl, getting the number one seed in the AFC as well. If the Saints drop 
to the Kansas City Chiefs. Then you have to keep an eye on the Los Angeles Rams as the number two seed there, and you don't want to lose that that number one overall seed. But if if it is truly going to be between Green Bay and New Orleans, and New Orleans loses again, then that gives Green Bay a little bit of breathing room next week with a tough matchup with Derrick Henry and the Titans coming in. And, and if they happen to have a brain fart, I don't like, I don't hope it's not tonight against the Carolina Panthers uh, or in Week 17 against the Bears. But it does give them, them a little bit of breathing room. But here they, here they are, Mark. They've got control of their own destiny. They're back in the driver's seat for that one seed. Yeah, that's what I think we, we've talked about this a few times. I've, I've said all along, if, if, they can get the, if they can get the number one seed, I really think they, they'll, they'll go to the Super Bowl um, for a number of reasons. One is the bye. That's big. That's one less game you have to play. That's one less game of a guy getting hurt. Um, your second round game, you know, your first game will be against a team that's already played the week before and hopefully had a hard, you know, hard fought win. And um, so that that's number one with the bye. Um, and like you know, the teams that we're talking about, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, Arizona, maybe. Um, you know, they're all warm weather dome teams. I like my chances of a warm weather dome team coming to Lambeau at the end of January where the weather is going to be, you know, not what those teams are used to playing in. So there's a lot of reasons for the Packers to want that number one seed this year. And, and you know, if they get it, they should go. They, I'll say that. They should go to – well, they'll be favored. They'll be the favorite to go to Super Bowl. All the other games, all, them, all those NFC Championship games that they lost, like you said, they were on the road. They weren't – I don't think they were favored in, in any of them, were they? I don't think so. I don't right. think so. I mean, I mean, long time ago, but, you know, the, the Dome Atlanta Falcons came in and handed the Packers their first ever loss, playoff right. loss at Lambeau it Field. I'm so it, it does – yeah, it, it happens. I, I But you want you want that one seed. Obviously, Paul, I'm sure you're yeah. – I was going to say, you've either written about it or, uh, you know, some kind of a really good statistical breakdown on having that one seed and getting to the Super Bowl is probably coming at Dairyland Express. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you guys, and I mean, when Mark asked us last week about who would you least like to face, I think we all agreed upon the Vikings, but going through the potential candidates coming to Lambeau Field for the NFC Championship in January, you go Seahawks, Bucks, Rams, Saints, I mean, I take the Packers in all those games, especially here at Lambeau in the elements, absolutely. So it's... Orleans. I don't want no, <laughs> no. They already won there once, and that was without Michael Thomas for New Orleans. And I, you know, you don't want to push your luck with that one again. But yeah, here in Green Bay, in the cold, you know, hopefully we get those, you know, frigid Green Bay, Wisconsin evenings if we do get the NFC Championship game. So yeah, it, it's of the utmost importance. And also, I would just love, love for Aaron Rodgers to have that opportunity. You know, like we said, he hasn't hasn't had it yet. Yeah, that's hey, that's hey, it's the Saints. Jason, you got to give a shout out to my to my guy, right? Elliot Shore Parks. Who you asked me last week if the Eagles had a chance to beat the Saints, and I said I didn't think so, but my guy told me that he thought mm-hmm. they would. Smart and man, and somehow they did. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a funny feeling about it too. I just for for whatever reason, I didn't. I don't know anything about the Eagles uh, or the Saints. I just had. I just had a feeling, and and it's another parallel because in 2010 it was Eagle Deshaun Jackson. Big punt return against the Giants that helped the Packers <laughs> yeah, right. eke into the playoffs. So will we see the, the Eagles once again help the Packers keep the one seed and host the NFC Championship game and, and hoist the, I guess it's the Hallis Trophy, to, to, to the the NFC Trophy, correct? If you win the NFC Championship, you yes. win the, the George Hallis yep. Trophy. So, All right, so it's a different week this week as the game is on Saturday. So, Paul, what happens at Dairyland Express now that the game is on Saturday night and what can we look out for from you? Uh, Cheesehead TV on Friday, I came out with my seven things to watch for. I usually tweet that out before the game and just kind of bullet point what I'll be watching for. So went into a little bit more detail, and then at Dairyland Express, had my three X factors for the game, one of them of which is Kevin King, as we talked about with uh, the Panthers' effectiveness with the deep ball. And then usual post-game content, and then we'll see we'll see what the game game brings for the rest of the week. I swear I don't leave Cheesehead TV out on purpose, and I have no excuse. As a former writer for Cheesehead TV, I did not, at least I remembered him in the, on the front end. So, 
Uh, Mark, over Packer Report, Saturday game, what does that change or do for your writing schedule this week? It just keeps me up late. You know, right? <laughs> Saturday night I'll be, uh, I'll be writing as soon as the game ends, so I'll be putting up my instant analysis. Like I said, I have, I have a story up now. Um, the lead is about the whole Aaron Jones, kind of what we talked about tonight, the whole Aaron Jones thing. Then I have some other notes about um, – some of the notes about the defense and some of the notes about, about being, getting the top seed and how important it is, especially this year, since only the top seed gets by. And like I said, the team's coming in. And then during the week, like Paul said, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully I'm writing about how the Packers increase their lead over the Saints because the Saints lose to Kansas City, the Packers beat Carolina. And so I guess the, no, no, the Rams have a bye this week. They're playing the Jets. But, <laughs> but they're not losing. <laughs> but Seattle, well, Seattle has Washington, which is now it looks like Alex Smith is, isn't going to play. So I don't. Yeah, Dwayne Seattle Haskins is going to be the starter. Yeah. So Seattle, the Rams will both win. Now, who has the the Rams have the tiebreaker on Seattle right now, right? Right. Yep. Yep. But they play again. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so either yeah. Somebody has to. So somebody has to lose that game, or hopefully they'll tie and then it'll like a loss for both of them. So, but yeah, I think it's. It's in the Packers' hands, really. It is, it's in their hands to get that top seed. Hopefully that's what we'll be talking about. Well, it's very when, simple. Just win. Just, win. Just win. Just win and you're in, and, and it's a done deal. And I'll have the game recap at Game On Wisconsin after the game Saturday night, and then we all get an extra day to celebrate and recover on Sunday, which is not the norm. Usually we have to get up and go to work on Monday. So, uh, Well, not you, Mark, but the rest no. of us have to get up and go to work on Monday. So, uh, Mark, Mark gets up and goes to the beach. If Mark gets yeah, up and goes to the beach. I was 35. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, different different game plan there. Well, this was a ch- chock-full episode and previewing the Carolina Panthers and talking little Packers football. It's been a, it's been a good one. Mark, we're going to bookmark the Terrell Owens on the driveway story because yes. we, we definitely want to hear that we'll at some that point. One. So maybe maybe we'll we'll save that one for the bye week. When there isn't any uh, any football, or I'll probably find a way to work at it next week because I have no patience. So uh, you can find everybody's great work. You find Mark's great work over at Packer Report. Paul is at Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express, and I am over at Game On Wisconsin. Everybody enjoy the Saturday night football at Lambeau Field. Everybody stay safe and go Pack Go. wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.